This episode of Blaster Podcast is brought to you by Field Notes. Field Notes brand, USA-made memo books and other products, including seasonal limited editions. Visit fieldnotesbrand.com or 400 North May. Blaster Podcast is brought to you by Chunk Pump. Ask your doctor if Chunk Pump is right for you. Chunk Pump! Chunk Pump? <laughs> hey. Hey, Andy. Hi, Mark. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Blastro Podcast presents Muffed Movies. I'm Andy North. I'm Mark Solov. Welcome to Muffed Movies, everybody. Everybody, Muffed Movies is a comedy podcast where my friend Andy and I act out movies by memory for comedic purposes in a parody genre. To try to entertain you and win your hearts. Any parody that occurs is usually due to uh, us not remembering and or not watching the movie before we uh, record these. Involuntary parody is parody all the same, my friend. That's right. I will say that you are very diligent about watching the movies before we record these. Thank you. I'm a regular Dilbert. Go ahead. I thank you. I will. (laughs) Now, you might be asking yourself, uh, Muffed Movies, um, what are your rules? This is very businesslike. Thank you. I feel like we've never started this podcast in such a professional manner. Well, I woke... I'm bored as fuck. Oh! I woke up this morning feeling like quite a business eagle, Andy. Coitus business? Coitus business is good. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Muffed Movies. Uh, A couple salient points I want to make real quick before we start our presentation. Mm -hmm. Number one... Muffed Movies is a movie podcast where my boy Andy and I act out an entire movie using only our memories, some magical acting voices that we are capable of creating, and of course, some Some tiny tiny notes. Yeah! Uh, Any other hard and fast rules? All right, and we will do it in 45 minutes. Yeah, so make sure you start your car and get ready for your 45-minute canoe to work. Your tippy canoe to work. (laughs) And uh, by the time you reach work, we guarantee the episode will be done. Yep. Wrapped up with a clean little bell. Sally bells. (laughs) Uh, Today. Or tonight, depending on what shift you work. Are we ever, uh, do we ever talk about which... Here's the thing. I feel like we always hide the name of the movie that we're in the actual podcast. We hide the movie that we're doing because of our funny joke we always do. But there's no way, like, there's no way you can load up this podcast without seeing that it's labeled with the movie that we're doing. So why are we always so coy about it? Um, Andy. Uh, oh, that came with That's a prize. Two Andy, burps. there's That's two burps. Several We've been recording for two and a half minutes, and you've burped twice already. <laughs> I'm drinking a beer, which you forced me to. It's peer pressure. I'm butt chugging a beer as hard as I can. What are you, Jessica Spano right now? What are you, peer pressure Jones? Yeah. What are you, Lisa Turtle? (laughs) Andy, if I could, to my point here, we have several illiterate listeners. All right? They just pick up these episodes on their iTunes by faith, and they just, like, feel the screen and hope... I mean, they can read numbers, so they can read that this is nine. Right. This is episode nine. And they just hope and pray that it's going to be their favorite movie, Save the Last Dance, and it's not. 
Can we do Save the Last Dance someday? No, we cannot. Real talk. I, for whatever reason, and I can't remember why in retrospect, but when I was in high school, did watch Save the Last Dance. I can think of a reason why you watched it. Probably like five times. Like, I do, <laughs> I never watch a movie more than once, but for some reason, I made an exception for Save the Last Dance. What was it about Diggs. Save the Last Dance that stood out to you? Couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you. I have to watch it again now and see, like, but at the time, it was like, yeah, this speaks to me, and it's comforting to me to watch these two young lovers dance the lithe bodies brocciate across each other's playing fields did you say brocciate yeah very nice thank you i used to be a scientist they went hand over hand like apes over each other's (laughs) (laughs) enormous bodies tay digs tay digs ladies and gentlemen without further perturbance we present to you ridley scott's It is a time of interstellar travel. The Earth as we know it is quite changed, controlled by greedy corporations. One such corporate entity, the Weyland Yutani Space Freighting and Other Thing Corporation, sends hapless space truckers into the depths across the universe to haul things for them. Profit is their god. We see an empty star field filled with naught but stars and a single desolate star freighter. Space. Space wipe. (laughs) The interior of the star freighter Nostromo. Is it Nostromo? It's Nostromo. Nostromo. Named hey. after a title of a Joseph Conrad novel, who I believe wrote Fist of Darkness. I don't think it was called Fist of Darkness necessarily. <laughs> but your heart is like a little black fist, so no wonder you got that mixed up in your old brain, Mark Solo. <laughs> Hello. It's the Nostromo. It's an old busted space freighter. Think yeah. of a like a semi truck, but it's in space. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty weathered. It's This is not your sleek, cool-looking, uh, like, Apple iTunes kind of world. This is like a gritty, greasy, grimy, exposed pipes, sparking wires, just mucus all over the floor kind of space chunder. This is the kind of space place where you don't want your daughter to grow up and work. This is a real rough-and-tumble area. Two rats kiss in a corner. <laughs> Just getting it so right. And yet, so wrong. (laughs) Boba Fett crushes the rats under his Mandalorian boot and disappears into the shadows. Perhaps the ship's computer prox-regged Boba Fett's movement because screens begin to flicker and a flare. But they're like 1980s screens, so imagine like uh, Apple II that's somehow controlling a cryo chamber. Don't understand that part of this one. Anyway. A bunch of cards with uh, holes punched in them shuffle around as the computer switches gears. We cut to the cryo chamber where the crew, who has been sleeping, cryogenically frozen in suspension for the multi-light year journey, begins to awaken. What is this? Sleeping beauty? No. This is just some rough and hardened pig-nosed space truckers, we see the thin and muscular body of Kane 
a young British man step forth, emerging first from his cryo slumber. I say, what an excellent night's sleep I've gotten as executive off with the cane. <laughs> cane talks to himself on the regs, and he stumbles off towards their coffee machine. The rest of the crew's cryo sleep chambers begin to open, and they sleepily hop up from the top up. <laughs> uh, gentle sleep cut to the galley, a.k.a. the kitchen of a boat. Naval history, friends. Yeah, sorry. We're going to probably be using a lot of naval slang here. Uh, like so tr- any Audi. <laughs> Mark and I both being military men. We are. May use these terms as second nature. Mm-hmm. There we are in the galley. The galley is bright white in color. Everyone is sitting around the table, stretching their kind of 1970s-looking haircuts and bodies out. They've got cool, puffy vests and yeah, unitard-type snow pants on. You know, future shit. What are you looking forward to most when you get back to Earth, Dallas? <laughs> what am I looking for most when I get back to Earth? You ask me, Engineer Parker? That's me, engineer, Chief Engineer Parker. Well, I'll tell you what. This old mustachio of mine has been itching me something profound. I can't wait to get back to an old barber and get it right, get it straightened out, get some wax, get some earl in there. Know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's a great point. If we were just in cryosleep, how come our hair hasn't been growing this whole time? That is an excellent question. Oh, the vagaries of space travel. Did someone say the vagaries of space travel? Who are you, Cain or Ash? Um, you can tell by my stilted speech patterns that I'm obviously Ash, who is... Let me just look down at my notes. We've been in cryosleep so long. The camera pans over to a middle-aged man. Uh, he is thin and average in build, with a, a molish intensity behind his glittering black eyes. If someone needs something scientific explained, I would be happy to step in and explain it to you as science officer, Ash. Okay, Ash, we've had enough of your stupid science. Oh, who are you? It's me, Ellen Ripley. Perhaps you've heard of me? I'm the warrant officer of this ship. (laughs) Yeah, we've all heard of you, Ellen Ripley. Not a a science officer or chief engineer on this ship that wouldn't like to give you a hypersleep tumble. Oh, boy. Just because I'm seven feet tall and obviously the most in-command person on this vehicle, why is it I'm always being harassed? Um, actually, I think you'll find that I'm the most in-command as the captain of this ship. (laughs) But, I mean, cool, Ripley, if you're already going to undermine me. I'll give you a pass since we just got out of hypersleep. Why are you guys fighting? It's me, Lambert. I'm the pilot? Oh, gosh, Lambert, are you sure that's your voice? Keep in mind that you're probably going to be alive for the bulk of the the movie. (laughs) I'm sorry. Let me just modify it a little bit. The hypersleep must have really taken its toll. (laughs) (laughs) It's me, Lambert. I'm the pilot of this show. Oh, dear, Lambert, why don't you go back and... (laughs) Good idea, Captain. Uh, I'm going to drink some of this blue milk. Hey, everybody, it's me. Did you guys all start talking to each other without waiting for engineering technician Brett? Is that you, Brett? Yeah, it's me. I've been here the whole time, engineering us some breakfast. The freight all we have is that Malto mush that the 
Whalen Utani Corporation gives us for these space jaunts. Honestly, everything tastes the same to me. Why is that now, Ash? I guess it's just because I'm British. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, what's his name is British? Ah, uh, shut up about him. Oh, what do you mean me, Executive Officer Kane? I'm sorry I was over there. I feel like we're giving our characters way more introduction than they actually got in the real film. What's this now? I don't know why you guys are arguing. It's me, Lambert. <laughs> Hello, everybody. It's me, the ship's computer. You won't reward. I woke you all up. Well, if it isn't the ship's computer, a.k.a. mother. <laughs> yeah, it's me, mother. And as I already said, yes, I woke you all up. Captain Dallas. Yeah, that's me. I will you, uh, give you your marching orders. All right, let me... Mother, don't share the secrets of a captain's marching orders in front of these grunts. Let me walk through an ornate corridor, and uh, we'll have a little secret tete-a-tete. All right. We see, we follow Captain Dallas as he downs the rest of his blue milk and walks through a corridor. The Are do- they drinking blue milk? No. That's some Star Wars. We can dream. Okay. Um, The door opens with a pressurized... Dallas steps into a room covered in Christmas lights. The padded walls of this room are unnecessarily blinky, and he looks down into a tiny computer monitor with a black background and green letters on it. Good morning there, mother. (coughs) Prize for that one, too. (laughs) Hey, Captain if you wouldn't mind, I will give you a pass because you just came out of hypersleep. But if you wouldn't mind avoiding burping, you know, as the ship's computer, I'm covered with nerves. Anything you do inside the ship, I can feel inside my silicone brains. Well, well, well. Seems my hyperspace dreams have a, a grounded foundation in reality. <laughs> That's a separate conversation. <laughs> That perhaps we can have in the future. But for now, I need you to go and investigate. I woke you up because what we got ourselves a little distress signal we love. What's it? What? Uh, Dallas looks out the window and sees Earth a million miles away. What in the tarnation? Mother, you didn't take us back to Earth. What are we doing orbiting this dumb little dumb planet? Well, we're on our way back to Earth, aren't we, me love? We get there eventually, but on the way, we just made a little weedy tour to check out this distress signal on the planet LV-426. LV-426. Isn't that the planet famous for being not interesting in any way? Yes, it's notoriously the most boring. Ah, uh, wait. Me voice has changed a wee bit. Gotta get a little more Bill Sykes in it. <laughs> Mother. It's notoriously the most, uh... <laughs> Boring planet in the solar system. All right. So there's a distress beacon going on down there? Yeah, just pop down there, check it out. If there's nothing wrong, come back up here, go back here, hope sleep. All right. But I'm not crazy about this, Mother. You're not crazy at all. You're a lovely old chap, aren't you? A robotic hand with a white glove comes out of the wall and pats Dallas on his head. Got a big old brain Go. on you. Love to get me little robotic hands around it. <laughs> or give it a little kiss with me robot tongue. With my brain? What? What? Off you go! What? <laughs> the uh, chamber f- floods with ducks. Right. <laughs> Which, uh, in the future, are a real obvious signal that it's time to leave. 
The ducks make very little noise, but they do give Dallas a significant look. <laughs> that implies that he has overstayed his welcome. Exterior shot. Pew! Exterior of what? The ship? Uh, you know, whatever. Cool. It's just a nice looking house. Pew! Suddenly, exterior <laughs> shot to deep space. We see Illinostrom slowly, pendulously lowering its onyx bulk down through the atmosphere of planet LV426. This is the planet that we like, the mix on. One time I did a mix, I did a rap, and then I put on my brand new kicks. It feels so good to land on a planet. Turn that shit off. (laughs) I don't want to listen to no morning radio. (laughs) But this is my favorite radio station. Pilot, first of all, I thought I told you to get that voice fixed. Second of all, we're here to answer a distress signal, not soak in the local culture. I don't want to listen to no shock jocks. <laughs> One thing I find shocking is how you guys get paid so much more than me and my fellow engineer. Seems unfair to old Parker. Yeah, that's for sure, old Parker, old boy. I get 72 cents on Lambert's dollar. Tell me that's fair. Hey, man, maybe I should have stayed in school longer, man. All right, all right, all right, before we have another unsustainable voice conversation. (laughs) I can feel the Nostromo is nearly reached the Soifus. And so it has. (laughs) We see the Nostromo land on the surface of a gross-ass planet. Everything seems to be decorated in shades of black... The only thing differentiating one thing from another is how much it glistens. Uh, But everything seems to be some weird non-Euclidean nightmare on the surface of this old planet. It is like it was designed by the eyes of a European madman. (laughs) And who might that be, mystery voice? Probably an artist under the auspices of Redless Garge. H.R. <laughs> Giger scuttles under the Nostromo as it lands and clings to the underbelly of the ship, watching with glee. Oh, somebody smells a sequel. <laughs> uh, unfortunately for the Nostromo, as it lands, it lands on a funny shaped rock and there is damage to its interior. Boop, 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 boop. Everyone's smoking inside because it's the 1970s and whatever. Fuck it, right? Uh, Ripley grabs a very heavy, foreshadowing, fire extinguisher and hoses off some of the steam that is shooting out of the cockpit. Oh, what the hell? What did we hit? Mother. Oh, yes. What is it, eh, me love? Why are all the alerts going off? What is the Nostromo? What did we do? It appears we shit it down right on an obscure surface. Don't worry, we're still able to fly, but just security cameras in the lower levels of the ship are fucked right out, right? Well, that shouldn't be a problem. Why did... Wasn't somebody watching out for where we were landing? Uh, It was supposed to be Ash, but... Hello, I'm sorry. I was looking at... A molecule. That's all right, Ash. Bob's your uncle, then. Ash's eyes narrow to serpentine slits. <laughs> he sees all the individual molecules. He spots, spots, <laughs> he spots the Higgs boson 50 years in advance. The Higgs boson looks at Ash and holds up a finger to his lips. 
Do not tell anyone. <coughs> it was me all along. <laughs> all right, well, fine. We need to put together a team to go down onto the surface. I mean... I'll join you! Uh, does anybody else want to volunteer? <laughs> anybody at all? I'll go down by myself. All right, all right, then. Don't get your knickers in a bind. It's me, Kane, sexy Brit. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll Kane. jump down there. Look at me big kissable lips. Ooh, I want to kiss the surface of this planet. Uh, was I more proper than this? No, I'd say this is valuable. I say, <laughs> was I this way? You used to be, but I mean, you've come out of the unfreezing process Hanging now. out with all these cockney computers and robot-like men. I just seem to be losing some of my innate upper crustness. Hey, who you calling a robot-like man? <laughs> I'm, I'm a woman. Why would you call me that? Hey, man, none of us around here are anything like robots. If there's one thing I hate is a robot. I also don't like robots. <laughs> Good one, buddy. <laughs> Dallas claps Ash on the back. Some little sparks fly out of Ash's shoulder. <laughs> all right, me loves. It's about time you all decided on what four-person party you're putting together to go down to the planet surface. The character select screen comes up. The player selects Kane, Dallas, and Toad. Let's go! <laughs> uh, flash cut to the ship's uh, exit bay. The door opens with a malicious slowness, and the fog of war from planet LV426 enters in. We see all our away party buddies with their bubble space helmets, their orange 1970s spacesuits, and their sweet butt thongs <laughs> that, for some reason, are in the design of spacesuits, both in this movie and in Empire Strikes Back. That's my design of a spacesuit. <laughs> What's that Higgs boson? <laughs> Shh. Oh. I say, it's foggier than a pea super out here. Uh, yeah, you're darn right, kid. It sure is foggy. Just keep on walking straight ahead with your uh, flashlight helmet going. Don't, uh, you know, hey, whoa, whoa. There's like a giant banana stuck on its side over all here. All right, all right, Dallas. I don't. We don't need any of that business on this trip. Can we have one trip where we all just act like professionals? I'm sorry, is this Toad or is this Ripley? <laughs> Oh, yeah. I love you, Toad. Way ahead of all of you. Oh, shit. He's going to lap us. <laughs> Toad speeds ahead in his buggy. No, that was me, Ripley. Oh, hey, Ripley. Believe it or not. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> they uh, Dallas peels off his space helmet <laughs> so he can get a better look through the fog. <laughs> he holds his breath. And he spies a giant derelict spacecraft like a weird horseshoe resting on its side. It's uh, onyx black shell, mysterious, inviting. He points towards it. That must be the source of the beacon. We better just beak on in there and start finding out what's to be found. Well done. I say, that doesn't look like any Earth ship I'm familiar with. We've been in hypersleep a long time, but architecture certainly changed, it would appear. Yeah, well... Enough John and more son. Ba-dum. What's that? Ba-dum. All right, everybody, take it real slow. <laughs> Dallas takes out his six-shooter, 
from its holster. <laughs> he looks down at the ground and sees a dirt patch beginning to uh, jostle and move towards them ever so slowly, as though something is displacing a tunnel of dirt beneath them. <laughs> you guys are so slow and I'm so fast, you'll never catch me. You're right. Toad's not going to back us up on this, you guys. <laughs> What's Look, that? What? Suddenly, the dorsal fin of a dirt shark rises from the surface of LV426. Dirt shark! <laughs> I say, find cover! Go inside the spaceship! Everyone to the spaceship! <laughs> the three uh, explorers race towards the safety of the alien craft. <laughs> the dirt shark <laughs> looks for the easiest prey. <laughs> Uh, Dallas uh, rips one of his Reebok All-Stars off and throws it towards the shark. Chew on this, you nasty son of a bitch. The shark leaps out of the dirt, its full bulk visible above the surface of the planet. It eats the shoe in one gulp. And then, suddenly, appears distracted. Something else has drawn its its ire. What could it possibly be? Oh, Uh, A glint in the distance. A shiny object the dirt shark has never seen before. It seems so inviting, it, alluring even. The dirt shark dives into the dirt again, begins to make its way towards the strangely fascinating glint. It makes its way ever closer. Suddenly, it breaches the dirt and sees an empty helmet. The Mandalorian helmet of a bounty hunter. (laughs) (laughs) It it chomps into the helmet. The joke's on you, my dear. With two concise laser bolts, the dirt shark is felled. (laughs) Boba Fett grabs the carcass of the dirt shark, wrests his helmet from out of its jaws, and slings it over his shoulder. Who are you? Who are, are you, Toad? That's me. How Fastest the... <laughs> Toad stool on the crew of the Nostromo. I'm a bounty hunter. Oh. And I'm sorry, Toad, but there can be no witness. <laughs> choo choo! <laughs> Boba Fett places two squarely in Toad's head. <laughs> he throws the dead body of Toad over his other shoulder. Oh, no. This will fetch a fine prize at Jabba's palace. Smash cut! Away! <laughs> the interior of the derelict spacecraft. I, I say, old Dallas, did you see where Toad went off to? I can't hear him on the radio anymore. I hope he wasn't playing hero again, trying to take out that dirt shark. He was the bravest of us all. <laughs> yeah, you're speaking like he's dead. He could still be out there, old boy. I can't raise him on the radio. <clears throat> all right, then he's dead. <laughs> hey, let's poke around. What's this? Oh, crikey! What are these, eggs? It, almost. <laughs> Looking directly ahead and above them, they see the giant form of a colossal humanoid alien. This alien has been petrified through the rigors of time, long dead. It is strapped into some sort of pilot's chair, and time and age have fused it with the chair. The tiny humans scramble up the giant space pilot's body. They observe that it appears to have been ruptured. Something burst out of its chest a millennia ago, leaving it dead and crusty. Hey, check this out. What is it? Dallas mimes giving the giant alien corpse a blowjob to his helmet. (laughs) 
<laughs> Good one, old sport. Anyway. I bet he sure could have used one of those in his last moments. Yeah, I'll say. An old blowgy. Um, excuse me, gentlemen? Huh? Do you think we should keep looking for the source of the distress signal? Ripley, are you stealing my command helmet? I would have censored this. It's obscene to be talking about such deeds in front of a female. This is 1980s technology. We are either all on the feed or none of us are on the feed. It's walkie-talkies, man. Yes, it is walkie-talkies, ma'am. Oh, look, eggs. I can't wait to rub on them. Yeah, I've been over here by the eggs the whole time. Come look at them. Wait, are you Ripley? Yes. I'm the only one with the... Ripley, you're out here with us? Yes. Oh, this is uh, quite a big one for later. I'll, okay, let's go. Who did you think the third person with you was? Toad. <laughs> the wet sprocket. <laughs> All right, you two sons of bitches. Now listen here. There's one rough and tumble cowboy son of a bitch able to tangle with anything on this away party. I know exactly who he is. It's Kane. Kane, get down there and look at that egg. Kane has been looking at a alien egg that's been gradually opening as he stares at it. It looks as if there's an uncooked piece of poultry in there. How fascinating. I'll shine my face flashlight ever closer towards it. Hello, little one. Hello. Hello. Oh, it sounds like a kitty. Sounds like, oh, the big, puffy, vulvic openings. And that's a- Without warning, the creature inside the egg leaps out and attaches itself to the exterior of Kane's helmet. It grips the faceplate of his helmet, completely obscuring the head of the astronaut inside. Hello. <laughs> Kane falls backwards in shock and disgust and collapses onto the ground. Oh. The face hugger? Still uh-huh. clutching the exterior of his helmet. Jesus, Kane! Jesus had nothing to do with this. No, it was a figure of speech. Quick, Dallas, get over here. We gotta save Kane. Uh, there's nothing can be done. But let's check in with Ash, see what he thinks. Hello. This is the human Ash. Uh, yeah, Ash, we got ourselves a man down out here. There's an alien life form attached to the hood of his helmet. What should we do? Sorry, did you say alien? Uh, yes. Well, we should probably bring it in and start it. Do you think, aren't you worried about the danger of it being, uh, infecting the rest of the crew? No. Be brave, Captain. We're talking about a human life. Yeah, all right, I guess... You wouldn't put the rest of us at risk. Humans are the most important thing I can think of. Me too, old buddy. Just... Bob. What? 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 What were you going Finger to say? Says what? What? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> ha ha ha. Get it. <laughs> That's a... how I know you're not a robot as you get the good ones. <laughs> All right. We'll drag him back in. All right. Ripley, uh, as they drag him, expresses a facial expression of protest as though... She probably wouldn't want this to be happening if she were inside the ship and could control it. <laughs> oh, well. Too bad she's outside. Meanwhile, Toad's smoking cadaver <laughs> it jostles along Boba Fett's shoulder as he rockets back t- through space. Toad's smoking cadaver. Ooh. That's a Dungeons and Dragons spell, I think. Toad's smoking cadaver? Yeah. Uh, smash cut. Uh, smash cut. The interior of the sick bay of the Nostromo. Ash and Dallas contemplate the creepy-looking face hugger still attached to Kane's helmet. Kane is completely unconscious, Andy. Mm-hmm. His body's prone, 
but his helmet is still on. And this face hugger, which, let me describe it to our audience in case they're unfamiliar with alien xenomorphology. Sure. Okay, take your two hands, uh-huh. put the palms together, or the butt of the hand, as I like to call them, yeah. and uh, make a sort of Hadouken type gesture. Okay, so in case you're unfamiliar with the movie Alien, but you do know what a Hadouken is. A Street Fighter. Andy, could you explain Hadouken to our audience? All right. Uh, If you're unfamiliar with uh, Street Fighter, take the butts of your hands, put them together, make like an alien facehugger pose, Uh and pretend like you were going to shoot a facehugger made of light out of your cupped hands. Great. I think I can take it from here. So you've got your Hadouken pose, except instead of a vertical hand positioning, rotate it to a more lateral thing as though two crabs were fused together by the base of their uh, tails. Crabs don't have tails. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with crabs, Andy, could you take this? Yeah, absolutely. Picture like two hands where like their butts are like um, mating with each other. Do you understand? Uh, okay, for those of you unfamiliar with butts, uh, picture... T- Why are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> yeah, do yourself a favor. Uh, go online, do Google safe search off, and look for butts. Meanwhile, and the Nostromo... What a strange creature, Captain. It looks like two crab butts put together, like in a Hadouken motion. Yeah, I know, but Lambert's the best pilot we got. What are you going to do? Now, about this... I was speaking about the alien life form, Captain. Oh, yep. How are we going to attempt to get it off? Well, just like a regular space crab, I'm going to use this here laser pen, and I'm going to cut through each and every one of its stupid little legs. Who don't? Who don't? Don't get to cut it with a laser, maybe. Why? Or whatever, do it probably to save its life, right? Yeah. Stop giving me conflicting advice, science man. You're my best friend. Sure, do it, and then we'll bro out afterwards. Heck yeah, we're going to bro down like a hoedown. Great. Great. Uh, Dallas picks up his laser knife, and he slices the knuckle of one of the digits of the facehugger. The facehugger... Sorry to interrupt the tension. The facehugger, by the way, has acidically eaten through the glass of the space helmet on Kane. Yeah, which you would think would be a clue as to maybe don't cut this life form open. And yet, and yet, Dallas, with his lack of medical training, decides yeah. to go ahead and try and cut the leg off of this facehugger. Look, it's his crewman. What else can he do? Just wait for it to asphyxiate his boy? I don't know, man. His bro boy? I'm not saying... Listen, I guess I'm just glad that I'm not in this position myself because I'm not a captain. I don't have to make the hard choices. No, nor I. What? Dig me! <laughs> He's cutting the leg off the facehugger. Shoop! Shoop a doop, shoop a doop, shoop a doop. The facehugger screams. Whoa! And squeezes the. What's his name's face? And throat is the bigger problem. <laughs> Who is it that the facehugger is on? Kane. Kane, that's right. Oh, the Kane! Uh, the facehugger tightens its spine-like tail on Kane's poor little throat, and uh, a dollop, a dollop of uh, acid-hot blood jets out of its knuckle. Whoa, 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 hot sauce. That blood uh, spatters onto the ground and begins acidically eating through the floor. I say, Captain, maybe it's a bad idea to cut the facehugger off of our crew member. It's going to be a worse idea if we all get sucked into the vacuum of space. Everybody, quick, follow me on a space adventure downstairs. 
oh boy, what fun. The whole crew runs downstairs and sees the acidy blood eating through the ceiling of the level below them. It spatters down even further onto the ground again. Chuckling, the crew runs down <laughs> another level. <laughs> uh, one of them uses the fireman's pole. Whoop. Yay! They see the acid blood eating through that ceiling. <laughs> hey, man, this blood's going to go all the way through the outer hull. Does anyone understand chemistry? Is there any way to neutralize it? Yeah, I think if we put baking soda on it, it should probably help. Well, you're in luck because I've got a whole refrigerator full of bacon Jesus soda. Christ, Lambert, just keep it to yourself, <laughs> whatever it is. All right, you guys. <laughs> I can help us. I'll go get some basic materials that should cancel out the acidity of the blood. Ash is back in an inhumanly fast amount of time. Here. Whoa. Let's use this. The end of one of Ash's fingers opens up. <laughs> And uh, a smaller face hugger shoots out. <laughs> oh, never mind that wrong finger. Ash's wrist flips up, and baking soda pours out of it, neutralizing the acidic blood as it hits the lowest level. Oh, ah, you saved me. My name is Lowest Level. Get it? <laughs> Please be quiet, mother. This was a serious. <laughs> Wait, is this Ash's mother or the mother of the ship? Mother of the ship. That's right. I was just I was just doing a cook, a funny voice. Sorry. The whole crew laughs. Hort, 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 hort. <laughs> Wait a minute, who are you? <laughs> oh Boba Fett <laughs> flies away from the window. <laughs> Whew. Well alright, it seems like maybe cutting through people's hands was a bad idea. Uh yeah, what gave you that notion? I mean, it's an alien life form. Who knows what this thing's capable of? Listen, Ripley, you can second that emotion. Until he, I die in an untimely manner, I'm still the captain of this ship, Ripley, and you will not second guess my orders. Do Ca- you understand me? Captain, he should be in hypersleep. We gotta really freeze this situation up. Who knows what kind of infection could be happening? And we'll go upstairs and we'll freeze him up from the bees up, just as long as that facehugger's still attached to his face. We'll put him back in cryosleep and deal with him when we get back to Earth. How's that sound? Ah, fine. Uh, Excuse me. As a serious human, I think we should just let this run its course. (laughs) Uh, As another human, uh, I have to disagree on that one, Ash. As a third human, (laughs) I just want to say I'm a little bit PO'd that I'm not getting equal pay. As a fourth human, I think that maybe we should fly the ship as fast as we can and see if that makes the thing fall off his face. Holy crap, it's a ring wraith. <laughs> Quick, throw the ducks at it. No, oh, it's me, Navigator Lambert. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it wasn't a ring wraith. It was Lambert wearing her dark poncho. <laughs> Ripley turns and looks at Lambert, who seems to be getting worse the longer she's out of hypersleep. <laughs> she really is getting Becoming bad. more monstrous by the second. <laughs> okay. Um. The crew runs back up to sickbay. But to their surprise, what has changed, Mark? Hold on, everyone. Why is it that we can see Kane's face? What's missing? I know there's something missing. Did he shave? No. Is he wearing glasses? No. Did he always have that mole? No, wait a minute. Oh, 
Ash. Yes. I can't believe it's taken us all so long to realize this. What is it? The facehugger is g- 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 gone. What do you mean the facehugger is gone? How could it just disappear? I don't know, but the good news is that it's all gone. So I think that hey, Kane, Kane. <coughs> yes, Captain, it's me, Kane. Hey, do you remember having an alien being kissing your face for about 45 minutes or so? No, not at all. I, I have a bit of a sore throat and had a terrible dream about a never-ending bloji. <laughs> I mean, that part was fine, but it was, you know, I had things to do that day and just didn't want Doesn't to... Doesn't sound too terrible to me, Kane, old buddy, old pal. All right, Captain. Well, seems like no harm done. <laughs> Dallas exaggeratedly... <laughs> claps his hands together as if dusting them off after a job well done. I think that we can safely move on with our mission, hop back into cryosleep, and be back to Earth in a couple of light years. Dallas pulls out an old-timey stogie and lights it up. Under the light of the cigar, he looks up and sees the face hugger, ah! which falls down directly onto his hands. <laughs> but it's dead, Andy. Oh. Such a spook. That really scared me. Yeah, sorry. I feel like that might be. Let's go Should back. Should we do to a disclaimer? People. Yeah, disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> episode of Muff Movies might be too spooky for some people. Too spooky for b- 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 babies. This probably caught people off guard because it's not Halloween. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Who are you being? I'm being me. Smash cut. Oh. Now that everyone's gotten over their spook from the facehugger falling down, they're having a nice dinner right before they prepare to go back into hypersleep. Yeah, I I know before I sleep for a long time, I love to eat a full, well-rounded meal of green milk and cereal puffs. It's like they're eating like space Chinese food, right? Oh, yeah, they have noodles. Yeah, noodles. Space noodles. They do a weird thing where someone's like, oh, meal's on me, old buddy. Ha, ha, ha. Like, I wonder if in Weyland yutani they have to pay for the meals that they eat on the oh, ship. those sons of bitches. I know, it's like the company store from pre-union times. Exactly. I say, Kane, you seem to be enjoying your human food. Is your stomach settled? <laughs> well, yes, old boy. It's funny that you should mention that. I am having a bit of, I feel a little bit green around the gills. You've been staring at me with your unblinking gaze this entire meal. Is something on your mind, Ash, old boy? Oh, uh, yeah, something's on his mind. Probably something... Talking, feeling about how he's got a stick up his butt. You know what I'm talking about? I, Mr. Parker, I think you'll find that a stick would not fit very easily up my human buttocks, <laughs> given that my intestinal system takes an almost immediate horizontal turn, so any stick that might be up my buttocks could only be a maximum of eight to nine inches long before it would have to either be flexible enough to turn sideways into my intestinal tract or... Now this is a guy who really knows how to party, huh, Parker? I don't know why we never got fucked up with Ash. Ash raises his hand for a hesitant high five. (laughs) Parker and Brett enthusiastically pile onto it. (laughs) It is so strong and resistant that with all their weight behind it, Parker and Brett are unable to budge Ash's high five in the least. (laughs) Ow, Ash. Man. You've been working on that high five. The strongest, most, least resistant, or, wait. <laughs> Parker Parker leaves the room and checks his book of notes. <laughs> I, I had something for this. I had something for this. Meanwhile, 
Kane slams his hands down on the table. His eyes bulge. He sweats profusely, and a jet of red hot ramen shoots out of his mouth. I say, whoa, 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 now, Kane. I know the food's not great, but Kane, Kane, what's the matter? Everybody stops what they're doing and stares directly at Lambert, <laughs> horrified. You want me to drive real fast and try and settle Kane's stomach? <laughs> Unbeknownst to the crew, who is watching with terror as word after word comes out of Lambert's <laughs> mouth, Kane has fallen to the table and an alien has ripped out of his chest. Listen, I don't understand what everybody's problem is. I'm just trying to make suggestions. Holy crap, what's going on with Kane? Jesus Christ, that voice! It's the most hideous thing I've ever beheld. Oh, hey, little guy. A tiny <laughs> alien larva. A uh, slick with Kane's dead blood zips past the captain <laughs> and into an air duct. Wait, hang on, everybody. Hang on. We might have a more urgent problem than Lambert's awful voice. <laughs> There's no problem I can even imagine that would be worse than that voice. Hang on, look at Kane. The crew as one turns to look at Kane's body, now with a gaping hole where his chest used to be. And I thought he was hungry before. Ash again raises his hand for a high five, but this time... <laughs> they throw ducks at him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the most socially awkward situation in the future. Uh, smash cut to... I feel like we're doing a very good job of setting this movie in the future, by the way. Oh, yeah, we are. You know how, like, J.R.R. Tolkien invented elf languages? Uh-huh. I feel like we've invented the whole duck thing, which is, like, a new social moray in yeah. the future. Yeah. Like, that's what sci- the best science fiction writers do. It's like, what... How would human society change in the future? Right. Like, take one thing and just, like, him string it into, what is it? Shoehorn it into the content. And exactly. Th- that's a future. In the future, everyone will use ducks to uh, negotiate social situations. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great if we had that now? Like, if someone you don't like comes into the room and you just, like, slowly, like, surreptitiously inch a duck across the table towards them? Would you have to be carrying a duck all the time? <clears throat> yeah. But like we carry our fast. phones all the time. I mean, we've learned to adapt to that. My phone is way smaller than a duck, actually. Oh. I, I didn't mean to oh. tell you this because I didn't want to make you feel self-conscious, but my phone is like way smaller than a duck. Well, I don't see the point of having a phone that small. You could lose it. A lot of people have talked about the size of your phone, and we're wondering where you even managed to get a phone that size. I got it from Phone Source. That's not even a store that I've ever heard of in my life. I'm, I believe in frugality. I have to really pee. Peak? No, I have to pee. Do you have to climax? No. Are you peeing right now? <laughs> <laughs>